0: We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church.
1: This morning, I want to continue the message on giving. We talked about that. Uh, We actually set it up in the the introduction last week. Today, I want to talk a little further, a little more detail. Then we'll conclude this message next Sunday. Yeah, it takes me three Sundays to preach one message, but it's better to break it into 30-minute segments than to do it for an hour and a half, right? All right, I'm glad you agree. So we're going to continue with that plan without a doubt. It's kind of like the guy said, it doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. So I try to follow that, all right? Matthew chapter 6, the Word says these things to us in verses 19 through 21. Now we know that this is Jesus speaking, all right? So keep that in mind. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to point out two things to you from our text this morning before we move on into the message. First, Jesus said, don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, but lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. So we need to understand that principle, and we need to understand that as we give into the kingdom of God, we are actually doing something that we will see the reward of in eternity. So many times we miss that. When we give our tithe and bring our offering, we think, well, it's going to pay utility bills and building payments and missions and outreach, as you've heard this morning. But I want you to understand it's a lot bigger than that. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves. I told you last week that the problem we have is that the things we possess have our name on it. Our cars, the titles have our name on it. The deed to our house has our name on it. Our bank accounts have our name on it. Our retirement accounts have our name on it. And because they're in our name, it becomes difficult to release those things God has given us in order to give back into the kingdom. But if we will understand this principle this morning, that it's not about just giving it away, But in fact, as we give or invest in the kingdom, we are building a treasure that we will enjoy throughout all of eternity. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He didn't say, lay up for me. He didn't say, lay up for the Father. He didn't say, lay up for those coming after you. He didn't say, lay up for those who were before you. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Come on, that principle should be liberating to many of you here today because every time we write a tithe check to the conference or every time we give a missions offering or every time we give to a special speaker, we're not doing it understanding that it ends there, but we're doing it understanding that one day there's going to be a treasure I'm going to inherit. Oh, come on, folks. This principle is liberating in your thinking. Remember we talked last week that when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, it was for one purpose. And that purpose was to change our thinking, because when our changing, thinking changes, then our behavior changes. But until our thinking changes, our behavior will never change. That's why when people say things to me like this, well, if you don't want you to do, I'm going to leave, or I'm not going to pay my tithe. It doesn't affect me in the least. It does not bother me. That's not my problem. That's your problem. And you're not drawing a battle line with me. You're drawing a battle line with God. You see, you need to understand that. Coercion and manipulation does not work against the individual who understands I'm a son and daughter of God. I'm called for a purpose. I'm standing in a place and a position that God has appointed me to stand in. And whatever you say and do, if it doesn't align with the word, it isn't going to bother me. Come on, folks. we got to get that inner spirit. we got too many. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Milktoast pantywaist preachers in the kingdom today. They're afraid you might get mad. I've got news for you. If you preach the gospel, somebody is going to get mad. The gospel is confrontational. The gospel demands change. The gospel challenges the way we think as human beings. And if we aren't hearing and sitting under that kind of a message, we need to find another church see, any time someone gets upset because the Word was preached or a standard was lifted because it applies to the Word of God, I have no problem with that. Because the problem isn't with me, the problem is with God. I had a person tell me not too long ago, if you don't do this, this, and this, I'm going to quit paying my tithe. Buddy, that's on you. I don't want any part of that. You do what you need to do because Malachi says... You can either live in the blessing, oh come on now, you can either leave and live in the blessing or you can live under the curse. Now I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to do with the curse. I've already been liberated from the curse. I've been set free from the curse. Jesus died on the cross cursed so that I would never be cursed again. I'm not going back under the curse. I'm going to live under the blessing and the blessing is obedience to the commands of God. Hey Amen. I'm feeling pretty good this morning. We just might make it till one o'clock. Amen. <laughs> hey don't you love it? Hey Amen. We need to understand the principles of God's word. When we understand the principles of God's word, then we have no problem obeying God's word. It's when we don't understand or when when someone has manipulated us. When some preacher on TV said, If you'll send me $100, I'm going to send you this anointed prayer cloth. You lay it over that part of your body where you're sick and you're going to be healed. That's manipulation. Is there a scriptural pattern? Of course there is. The Apostle Paul was making tents for a living in the city of Ephesus. And they would take the sweat rags that he was using and touch people who were sick and they were healed. But listen to me folks, there's a big difference between the Apostle who is working to make his own living so he could preach the gospel and some shyster who's doing it to raise money to fill his pockets. Amen. I love the way you're shouting now. I'm not against TV preachers. I've been one. But I am against people manipulating the people of God. So that's why it's important we understand the Scripture. And when we understand the Scripture, it liberates us. It takes us to a place where fear is gone from our lives. Where worry dissipates. Where we don't lay awake at night wondering, how am I going to pay the bills tomorrow? Because we're living in the promise of God. We're living in the blessing of God. We understand that when I enter into a covenant relationship with my heavenly father, when I say, I accept the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me from all of my sins, I choose to become your son. I choose to become your child. When I enter in that relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, folks, everything changes. Everything changes. I read a story this past week about a guy who was very famous. Matter of fact, it was Steve McQueen. We watched a movie again about him and his story. He had everything the world could offer him, all the money he would ever need, but there was still something missing. And so he chose to to take flying lessons to learn how to fly an airplane. And his instructor happened to be a born-again believer. And over a period of time, without preaching to him, without saying anything to him, he noticed a difference in this instructor's life. And he asked him, what is it about you that is different? And he said, well, I'm a born-again believer. Jesus rules and reigns in my heart. And one day he said to the girlfriend he was living with, Steve McQueen did, we're going to church with the instructor. They went to church, sat in the balcony. And over a period of time, God began bringing changes He accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. The girl he was living with, they got married and became his wife and husband. Listen to me, this is what I'm saying. When we receive revelation, when we receive truth, when the light bulb comes on about what God has promised to us, we begin to see changes in our behavior. Amen. You cannot live the way you used to live if you're attached to the Father. You cannot do the things you used to do if you're a part of Jesus Christ. There will be a progression. Now, sometimes that change isn't instantaneous, but it's progressive. Instantly, your heart is changed. Instantly, you're saved and born into the kingdom of God. But there's a lot of stuff you need to get rid of. So I'm applying all this to Jesus' command about giving. Because the most difficult thing we deal with is our money. The most difficult thing we turn loose of is our money. The thing that has the greatest hold on us is our money, especially in Western Christianity. God's allowed me to travel the world to preach on many continents and nations, mostly in the third world because that's my call. And what I've noticed, hear me, what I've noticed is it's really not any easier for a poor person to give up what they have than it is for a rich person to give up what they have. It's a struggle for all of us to acknowledge God's ownership and our responsibility to give back to Him. So when Jesus tells me, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm going to say it one more time. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There is a payday coming. Oh, come on, folks. You need to hear this. There's a payday coming. God doesn't bless you just so you can have everything. God blesses you so you can lay up some treasures in heaven. And one day you'll stand before him and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. So what we learn from these statements of Jesus is that our attitude toward material things is an indicator of our hearts. Went to the doctor the other day and got the cast off. And they took my blood pressure and I didn't like it. It's an indicator of what's going on inside of me. So we understand that. We, we can apply that. But our attitude toward material things is also an indicator of what's happening in our hearts. A condition of our heart. So very quickly, there are two types of givers, or two types of attitudes towards giving. The first I've illustrated to you from the life of King Solomon, found in 1 Kings. You'll know that King Solomon was without a doubt the wealthiest man of his time. If there was ever a guy that had it all, he had it all. He had more than enough. He had riches abundantly. Matter of fact, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, the weight of the gold Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders, all the Arabian kings and the governors of the land. Now we don't understand that. It doesn't sound like much, but if you want to do the math, 666 talents of gold is 800,000 ounces of gold. Every year he received convert that into today's prices every year, he received $1,083,600,000 in gold. And that was an economy that was much different than ours. I mean, you can fuel a nation with that kind of money back then. And it didn't include all the other taxes and all the other revenues that he charged those that were trading with Israel. He was wealthy beyond belief, the wealthiest man in the world at that time. Not only was he wealthy, but he had a great place to hang out. He had a palatial mansion. He built a throne that was like no other. You can read it in 1 Kings 10, 18 through 20. The king made a great throne inlaid with ivory, overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and its back had a rounded top. On both sides of the seat were armrests with a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lions stood on the six steps, one at either side of the step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other king. He had a palatial place. He had a throne like no other. He was wealthy beyond description. He was powerful. Now this is what I want you to understand. Solomon became wealthy because when he took the throne from his father David, this is what he prayed for. He prayed for an understanding heart to lead the people of Israel. He prayed for wisdom. And when God saw his prayer for wisdom, God said, because that's the desire of your heart, I'm going to give you wealth and honor as well. So let's stop right there for just a moment. If we want to understand God's priorities, it's first to understand God's heart. It's first to pray, God, give me a heart of wisdom. God, give me a heart of understanding. Let me discern what you want for my life and for those around me. And folks, I'm here to tell you, if you'll begin praying that prayer and living that prayer, then watch and see what God will do. Because God is looking for a people who will align their hearts with His. And maybe, who knows, maybe like Solomon, God gives you some extra stuff too. I am blessed beyond measure. Yvonne and I are blessed beyond measure. We live in a nice house, we drive nice cars, we have everything we need. But it's not because of who we are, it's because of who He is. And the blessing is not reserved to a select few, it's for all who choose to believe God and follow Him. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to do great things in your heart and in your life. But King Solomon's attitude shifted at some point in his reign shifted from give me a wise, deserting heart to rule your people to give me, give me, give me. It's like he had two buttons in his heart. One said enough and the other said more. And it's as though he took one of those gold bricks that he got and he stuck it on that button that said more and it just constantly went cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. He'd never get enough. If there is a danger in possessions... It's. It could lead you to greed, to never getting enough, to wanting more and more and more and more. But when we keep a right attitude and we acknowledge the blessings of God, then God has a conduit through which he can continue to flow his blessings. Oh, come on, somebody hear me. It doesn't matter if you make $10 an hour or $1,000 an hour. You are a conduit for God's blessings to flow through. And when you honor God and your heart is amiable to Him, He will bless you. He will meet your needs. He will provide for you. He removes your fear, your uncertainty, your worry, and He provides everything you need. Amen. Amen. 2008 was tough for a lot of people. Y'all remember 2008, right? Americans have short memories. It was tough for a lot of people. It was tough for us. We lost basically everything during that recession. And there was, I've never told this story before. There was a time when just to pay the utility bill, I worked at a truck stop at night. So we'd have enough money to pay the utility bill. Because it just wasn't there any other way. And then one day, we were amazed when an envelope of cash showed up on the mailbox. I'm here to tell you, it happened again and again and again, because we chose to honor God with what we had, even though it wasn't much. Hear me, you can never say, I'm too poor to give to God. Yes, I can. No, you can't, because Jesus said, as he sat beside the offering box, that widow, With her two little copper coins, she gave more than the richest person in the house. Why? Because she didn't give from her abundance, she gave from her lack. Oh, hear me, friend. We can never say we're too poor. We always have something with which we can honor God. So I encourage you to put God to the test. Try Him and see if He will not bless you and meet your needs. Begin laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. So from King Solomon, we learn that material possessions will never satisfy. Never satisfy. Read, first, read Philippians chapter 4. Everybody knows Philippians 4.13, right? You can quote it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody knows that scripture, right? But do you know the context of the scripture? Because in the context, Paul is saying, I've been in places where I had a lot, and I've been in places where I had nothing. I've been in places where I couldn't even pay the rent. I couldn't do anything. I was flat broke. And then I've had places of abundance. But this is what he says in verse 11. But this one thing I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, whether I have a lot or whether I don't have anything, in whatever state I am, I have learned to be content. How can he say that? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you understand that scripture? It's not about leaping tall buildings from a single bound. It's about being able to navigate the hardships of life. It's being able to live in places of abundance and still give him honor and glory. You see, we need to understand that that's what God wants us to do today, and we learn that material possessions will never satisfy us. With Solomon, there was a getting attitude reflected in every area of his life. It was more, 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 more. He was never satisfied. God promised to bless him because he prayed for wisdom and an understanding heart. He gave him wealth and riches as well. Now notice, wealth is not wrong; riches is not wrong. Paul said it this way to Timothy in 1 Timothy six fourteen. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. When you are driven, when you are compelled, when you can think think of nothing else and talk of nothing else except how am I going to make another dollar, you got a problem. You got a problem. But when you understand God. Bl- and God gives to you and God meets your needs, he is able to do amazing things through you. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6. He said, no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon is an Aramaic word, the language that Jesus spoke. And it really is better translated as wealth. No man can serve God and wealth. You can only have one master. So my question this morning to CHC, to those that are watching online, to those who will be watching this video in the weeks ahead, is who's your master? Who are you serving? Who are you following? Who dictates and controls the effects and the everyday aspects of your life? Do you set up of a night and you say, thank you, God, for your blessings to me? Or do you set up a night and worry because this week the stock market declined? see, that will determine who you're serving. That determines who you are putting your emphasis upon. So we need to understand that wealth can disappear. I don't have time to go into all of this, but when you read the story of Solomon, within five years after his death, The king of Egypt raided Israel and carried off the vast majority of his treasury. All the gold that he had stored in the treasury, his son Rehoboam then replaced with brass. Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear me. You need to understand this principle. If you don't put God first in your life, it's very possible that the gold you have stored up may be replaced with brass. But if you'll put God first, you're going to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth or rust cannot break through, where thieves cannot break through and steal. Oh, come on, somebody. Isn't it time to lay up some treasures in heaven? Isn't it time to understand biblical principles? Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, 19, a giving heart brings permanent wealth. If I invest in the kingdom, it will never go away. You know, I am so thrilled that one day I'm going to stand before the throne of God. And at that great day, I'm going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. How do I know that? I know it because of my relationship with him. There's not a doubt in my mind. I'm going to hear him say that. But not only that, I'm going to meet people from around the globe that I've never personally talked to or spoke to who have been influenced and born into the kingdom of God because of the ministry God has given me. Oh, I can't wait for the day to hear someone say thank you for preaching the Word. Thank you for putting that on Facebook. Thank you for making it available on the Internet. Thank you. I was touched. My life was changed. I'm here today because you chose to obey. That's not just for me, it's for every one of us. Every time you bring an offering, every time you offer your tithe to God, you're saying, God, this is your opportunity to do with what you've given me and make it something a whole lot bigger. Make it something a whole lot greater. Oh, come on, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Listen to me. I want this statement to be driven into your heart. Giving is not a way to financial success. Let me say it again because my mic kind of dropped. Giving is not the way to financial success. If that's why you're giving, because you expect God to bless you, your motivation is wrong. God has already blessed you. Come on, wake up. Look at what you have. Look at what. Look at the clothes you're wearing, the car you arrived in, the house you live in, the food you eat. God has already blessed you. Tremendously, abundantly, He has blessed you. And if you don't see that, you've got a problem with contentment. You need to go back and read Philippians 4 one more time. We understand giving is not a way to financial success. You will never hear me say, give to be blessed. I am blessed, and as a result, I give. I have already received more than I could ever give back to the Father. Have you ever stopped to think about it? He's promised you your daily bread. He's promised you a roof over your head. He's promised you... Clothes to wear. Now, in every culture, that has different implications. It's different for Americans than it is for Bangladeshis, because we're in a different culture, different, different uh, economic systems. But he's promised that to all of his children. I need to understand, when we, when we get that in our spirit, then giving doesn't become a way to financial success. Neither is giving a way to impress God. You mean to tell me that you think God ought to be impressed, impressed with your paltry gift? Come on, he created the heavens and the earth. Do you realize that the streets of heaven are paved with gold and you think your $1,000 is going to impress him? Come on, folks, get a life. Let's get real. We don't give to impress God, nor, catch this one, we don't give to impress people. If we're giving to impress people, go back and read the first part of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Jesus said, if you give your gifts before, Man, so that they can pat you on the back, you've got all the reward you're going to get. So if you're doing it for people, that's as far as it goes. We don't give to feel good about ourselves. Now, I feel good when I give. Understand that. But I feel good because I'm obeying God. Because I'm responding to His command. But rather, we give because it causes us to focus on eternity. It causes us to see Life is bigger than this. So giving isn't a form of manipulation, but it's a way to focus on the promises of God. Jesus' point in the scripture was this. What do we value? Do we value things that are temporal? Things that moth and rust corrupt? Things that thieves can steal? Or do we value things that are eternal? Things that no corruption will ever touch and no thief will ever have in his sweaty palm. What do we value things that are temporal? or things that are eternal. Matter of fact, look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. Jesus slips in a little parable in this passage. And he says these words, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's talking about motivation. What is it that propels you? Why do you give or why don't you give? He said, if we aren't doing it out of the light, the revelation we have received from Jesus, then we're doing it out of darkness. And he says, how great is that darkness? Do you want to know why people have walked away from the promises of God? Because someone had sold them a bill of goods that isn't true. They've told them, if you'll give, God will do this. If you give, then God is obligated. I've got news for you. God isn't obligated to do anything His Word doesn't say He will do. Love the way you're shouting now. Don't you tell me if I give $1,000, then God's going to give me $10,000. You're going to have to show me that scripture and verse. And I'm telling you, it's not there. But... If I give from a spirit of generosity, if I give because He loves me and I love Him, if I give because Jesus died on the cross, oh come on, somebody hear me, never forget what He did for us. He died on the cross. He gave the ultimate price so that you and I would have hope of life and life eternal. Never forget what He has done. If I keep that focused, if I keep that in mind, then I know that God is going to meet every need in my life. Every need. We can't serve both God and money, Jesus said. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Solomon had, are you ready for this? My. 700 wives and 1,000 concubines. As we said in Oklahoma, 1,000 combines. 1,000 concubines. My goodness, I, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Can you imagine men taking care of multiple women? Ladies, can you imagine taking care of multiple men? That's an absolute nightmare! Nightmare! So, more is not always better. We need to be devoted to one, not a dozen. So as we come to God and as we understand the principles of Matthew 6, we understand that He's telling us, change your thinking because it will change your behavior. He's telling us, give because you've been given to. Give because I have already given to you. See, this is the truth. The commands of God are not bricks we hit people over the head with, but they are bread we feed to people. And if we can understand that principle, we have no problem with giving. We have no problem with generosity. We have no problem with liberality because we understand what God has done for us. Therefore, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word and the liberating power of your word. Thank you that your word never fails. Your promises are always true. And now I pray for the individuals in this room, the individuals who are watching online, the individuals who will watch this sermon in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. I pray for them right now. And I pray that you would bring revelation into our hearts and into our lives. So that we understand when we choose to partner with you and obey your commands, there's no risk whatsoever. Only reward. Only reward. So today I'm asking you to raise up a people in this room who will take your word at face value and who will say from this day forward, I'm going to up my treasures in heaven. I'm going to store up things for my future in heaven. Heads are bowed and eyes across this room this morning. I haven't talked to you much about Jesus and his ability to forgive sins and his death on the cross. But the Holy Spirit has. And you're in this room this morning and didn't come in thinking you're going to hear a sermon about giving. You were looking for something that would give you hope and life and a second chance. Well, I've come to tell you we're talking about the same Jesus. Because he does give hope and life and a second chance. He offers forgiveness and renewal and restoration. So if you're in this room this morning, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins so I can have that relationship you talked about with God, and I can be his son, his daughter, his child, and my life can begin to change. If that's you, right where you sit, just lift up that hand and hold it there. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir, others, yes, sir, others. Yes, sir, others. Slip that hand up and hold it there for just a moment. Anyone else you want to join these four gentlemen who've raised their hand? I want Jesus to forgive me, to come into my life, to change me today. So wait just another moment. Anyone else? Across the room, stand to your feet with me. Those of you with your hand raised, I counted four of you. I want you to step out and meet me right down here. Jesus said confess me before man and I'll confess you before my father so if you raise your hand come on right now we're going to pray together and God's going to do that work of forgiveness yes sir yes sir come on that's it come on young men. right on down here yes sir come right on yes sir come right on David and Corinne will you go ahead and come please David and Corinne please come those of you who are responding God's going to do a great work of forgiveness and restoration come right on gentlemen in your hearts and in your life this morning. The Bible says if we believe in our heart that God, that Jesus is the Son of God and if we confess with our mouth God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So my question to you this morning is do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died and rose again on the third day so that you can be forgiven? Then by that confession we're going to pray and God's going to forgive you. He's going to change your heart so you can begin changing your behavior from this day forward. Bow your heads with me and pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I believe you forgive sins and I need my sins forgiven. I ask you to forgive me today. I ask you to change my heart today. I ask you to make me a new man today. Do your work in my spirit. I confess you as not my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Change me now by the power of the Spirit of the living God. In the name of Jesus I ask it and in the mighty wonderful name I pray. Ezekiel will you lead these folks out right here? It's David and Corinne they'll go with you. Turn and follow David and Corinne right that way. They're going to pray with you individually and personally. And God's going to seal what he's doing in your heart this morning. Come on, church. Welcome them into the family of God. Welcome them into the family of God this morning.
0: Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shara Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church... Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.